Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another blistering edition of White Sox <laughs> Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, I don't know. I'm okay. Um, uh. yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's not like anything happened this week. I don't even know what the hell we're doing here. We don't have anything. Oh, wait a minute. Something did happen. Lots of things. Okay. Well, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. And I'm, uh, you know, all uh, rhetoric aside, I'm, I'm ready to uh, dive into this thing. It's been a, a busy week. Yeah, all lathered up and ready to go. Um, it has been uh, a pretty crazy week. Um, started off, uh, Garrett Crochet leaves his his uh, you know his start, and uh, he you know of course it's a, I believe it was against the Reds who never broadcast anything uh, except for on the radio. Uh, much to their fans' chagrin, um, and so the only thing that you could, you know, that we really saw was just some footage on Twitter of, uh, you know, in the distance seeing Garrett Crochet walking from the mound, but it did not look like he was thrilled. It looked like uh, everybody on the field was concerned, and sure enough, um, UCL injury, and uh, he's looking for a second opinion. But I'm pretty much assuming that the second opinion is going to be, "Hey, man, we need to uh, take some tendons out of your out of your out of your butt and put them in your arm, and uh, or however that goes. Maybe it's I think it's like that, isn't it? I think that's what uh, it is. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, yeah. And uh, we're gonna patch up your arm, and uh, you're gonna need to. Uh, rehab for you know months and uh we probably will not be seeing Garrett Crochet until uh probably June or July of 2023 at uh you know after his uh ramp up rehab if everything goes perfect yeah uh that you- See now, I somebody told me that they heard Rick Hahn say it's eleven to thirteen months for a reliever, mm-hmm. and my question is, why would be any different for a reliever who is he's no especially one that's been known to throw triple digits on the regular? Why would it be any different for a reliever than a starter, other than a reliever isn't going two hundred innings a season? But uh, you know, normally uh, fair fair timeline for a, a Tommy John surgery is. You know, fourteen to eighteen months, more like, and uh, I, yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be mid-season sometime next year. But hey, I've been wrong before. Just saying, <laughs> it's been known to happen occasionally. Um, Rarely, but it does. Yeah, happen. I mean, it's not like. Uh, what's up, Jay Hypnotic? How are you doing? Go Socks is correct. Yes, that sir. Is what we are here to talk about. Uh, so then, fast forward. Lance Lynn feels a pop in his knee and you know I was fairly certain that we were probably going to be looking at surgery even though um, there was no mention of it anywhere 
uh, until like three days later or something close to that anyway. Um, and sure enough, uh, we find out that he's got a torn meniscus and he will be out for uh, four weeks with the surgery. And then he'll have to build up again and basically redo spring training. So you're looking at at least at least mid-May. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we talk about uh, meniscus. Uh, I actually, you know, when we talk about the uh, surgery that I just went through, it'll be three weeks tomorrow. Uh, that was probably the biggest part of the surgery that I went through. I had a minor MCL repair going along with it. Uh, and here we are, like I said, three weeks out and I just went back to work today. Uh, first time I spent all day on that knee in three weeks. And I gotta be honest with you, man, it was a little bit of a struggle today. So, uh, you know, I'm sure they have a better rehab, uh, program than I do. And, you know, they've got 24 seven care going on over there. I got, you know, now granted I did have a, an ex white Sox team physician do my surgery, but, uh, you know, I'm progressing well, and I'm 46 years old. I've got a few years on Lance. But you're right. I, I don't see him being able to, uh, you know, land hard on that knee any earlier than four weeks. It's going to take a bit. Yeah, it's, you know, it sounds, it's it's fairly minor surgery, but it's surgery nonetheless. And uh, it's painful. Yeah. You're buzzing over there like crazy. Um, so Sorry, I have, uh, I have my phone set on the laptop here, right next to the microphone. Ah, there you go. Apparently <laughs> the, uh, the tweet machine is going nuts over, uh, the breaking news of, uh, Austin Meadows going to a one Detroit Tigers team. Yeah. So. Imagine that. Um, so at the end of season press conference after the White Sox got, uh, unceremoniously, uh, thumped by the Astros. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty I mean, good word. That's I just being realistic here. Um, Rick Hahn said that obviously the starting pitching was a letdown and it was a concern and it would be addressed in the offseason. Uh, fast forward to uh, November when free agency kicks in, and basically all the quality starters were gone within the first two days. Um, not, I mean, I guess not all, but uh, anybody that was actually like a realistic, actual upgrade from Carlos Rodon um, and, uh, you know, I mean, say what you will, about it being an upgrade. The one thing that everybody was worried about was Rodon's health because his, you know, arm was tired at the end of the year, as will happen from TJ, as we've talked about numerous times. Yeah. Um, but the, the only guys that were really there that were going to be upgrades, you know, there was, there was only a couple and they were gone really quick. And, um, the White Sox signed none of them. Then the lockout say. happened. Yeah, exactly. And then lockout comes on uh, December 1st. And, you know, we've got 
you know, umpteen months of uh, what feels like umpteen months of sitting here talking about uh, CBA bar, you know, C- CBA bargaining and all sorts of crap. And finally, free agency reopens again. And again, just like that, silence. And the move that is made by the White Sox to address starting pitching is Vince Velasquez, which I'm sure Vince is a fantastic human being. Um, His results have been lackluster, and uh, it's not exactly what I would call an upgrade from even uh, the guy who didn't make the playoff roster in Dallas Keuchel. I would rather have Dallas Keuchel pitch than Vince Velasquez, probably. I mean, they're... Uh, Probably? I mean... In my opinion, there's no probably about it. I mean, the guy's yeah. got a lifetime career ERA of like eight, or I, you know, I don't, I don't know the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it's over eight. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so <laughs> I mean, without looking at the numbers, I haven't looked at it since they picked him up. But I'm pretty sure, unless that was just last season. But uh, you know, either way, the results have not been there. So is the is the main point here. So basically, what you're saying is that Vince Velasquez is not an upgrade over Dallas Keuchel. No, let alone Carlos Rodon. Yes, would you say that he is an upgrade to Michael Kopech? Uh, no. probably not. Right? That, even that's though a, that's a hard no. Even though <laughs> Kopech hasn't thrown more than 140 innings in one season, uh, which he did in the year that he ended up getting. Uh, the diagnosis for Tommy John and ended up having his done. Um, and he pitched 70 innings last year. So even if he doubles his innings output, he's still only going to 140. I seriously doubt that he's going to be anywhere close to 200 innings. And they also are going to have an, have him on an innings limit per Rick Hahn. Although uh, he did say he was going to go and address starting pitching, so I don't know if I can believe what he says either. So, um, well, there is still time. Apparently, I, you know that's what I keep hearing. Yes, from I've everyone. also There's heard still that. Time. There's yes. still time. There's still time. What's up, Xavier? Uh, How you doing? Hey, good evening, sir. Uh, but yeah, just back to uh, you know what I'm saying. I we're less than a week away from opening day here. Uh, Sunday night. We get to see some uh, real regular season baseball. And, uh, you know, now not only are we down one pitcher, you know, we're trying to replace Carlos Rodon's near Cy Young performance last year. Had he had the innings, I guarantee he would have been in the top three vote getters. Uh, And, uh, you know, you get Lance Lynn, who goes down with this – this knee thing. And, you know, let me ask you this. Have you seen this since we're on it? Uh, you know, I've seen reports of it being meniscus, which is a ligament. Yep. And I've also seen reports of it being a tendon. Have you heard this? Have you seen these conflicting reports? I have not. Okay. Just curious. I mean, Uh, it could be entirely likely that I just missed something, but, uh, I don't know, you know, because I mean, let's. Uh, here's the thing. I'm, you know, just going off of the timeline they're giving them in in the six to eight week range, which I think is even uh, a little uh, ambitious. But uh, 
you know, I would think it would have to be the meniscus because if you're talking about a tendon, that's uh you know, a torn tendon, that's uh that that's a serious rehab. So I, I don't know. As the song said in the lead up to the show, the hives, <laughs> I hate to say I told you so. And we were banging this drum for months. Yep. And yet, even Rick Hahn went out of his way to say, starting pitching needs to be addressed. And the way it was addressed was by letting Carlos Rodon walk, receiving nothing in return because there was no qualifying order uh, offer, and then signing Vince Velasquez. That is how starting pitching has been addressed. Now there are rumors coming out today that the White Sox are talking to uh, one Johnny Cueto, uh, Johnny Cueto, Cueto. Of the, uh, the weird windup. Um, that yeah. I also would not call a an upgrade because he's been uh, he's not been old Johnny Cueto for uh, a few years now. So yeah, like, essentially, like we're looking at what Irvin Santana signing. Yeah, right. <laughs> because they wouldn't go out and spend some money or do whatever it is that they need to do. And I, I know, and I keep on hearing, oh, well, you know, at least give them, you know, 48 hours to figure out what's going on here and, and make a deal, which, fair enough. We'll get they to the other stuff in a second, months. but. They had five months to do something. Why are we waiting until. You know, we know two guys are going down. One guy who is a bullpen pitcher who was supposed to, you know, get some spot starts and stretch himself out to maybe possibly become part of the rotation in the future. And then the other guy who is your uh, your innings. And he goes down. And yep. why, why are we waiting? We'll give him 48 hours. They had all winter. All winter. Yep. yep. Hey, it's, it's Bodie. What's up, Bodie? How you doing? Yeah, your oh, buddy, your buddy Cueto. Um, yeah, man, I I do not know what the major malfunction here is, and like the only explanation I can come up with is that something something that we've talked about on here before, which is that they got pantsed going into free agency, expecting everybody else to be slow playing things. And everybody just blasted right out of the gate and signed everybody. Meanwhile, the White Sox are still sitting. Hey, wait a second. Isn't anybody going to negotiate with us? But but we've got all sorts of incentive-laden clauses that we want to throw at you. You guys, what, guaranteed money. You, you guys, no, you can't sign with him. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like they're just sitting there watching everything just slip by them. And then the lockout hits and they, and they're sitting there with, you know, with nothing after, you know, after that, except for, uh, Kendall Graveman and re-signing Larry Garcia. So your, one of your strengths on your team, which was your bullpen, you lost pretty much your best pitcher in the playoffs or actually 
it's not even that you had lost him at that point because he hadn't signed with anybody yet, but you replaced him by signing Kendall Graveman. And there was all sorts of rumors abound that maybe some of the budget money for the White Sox was tied up in this Craig Kimbrell contract that they kept the option on and uh, that until they traded him, that they wouldn't be able to spend that money. Now that moves us into the next phase of what just happened here. Uh, There was a trade. (laughs) Uh, The White Sox finally did get rid of Craig Krimble, and uh, they shipped him out to Los Angeles, who was in need of a closer. And in return, the White Sox got not Michael Conforto. So sorry. Uh, they got, uh, they got AJ Pollock and, uh, sorry to burst your bubble out there, but, uh, the White Sox will not be signing Michael Conforto. Just, it's not happening. So sorry. Uh, And you know what? I am so absolutely thrilled to not have to say Michael Conforto (sighs) anymore. Yeah. This is going to be a Conforto free zone after, uh, after this broadcast, uh, I'm officially done hearing about Michael Conforto. And, well, until uh, all the until all the mopes out there, you know, Michael Conforto has one game where he goes like three for three with a dinger, well, three RBIs or something, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, we could have done Michael Conforto, you think? Yeah, you well, <laughs> you know, I'm ju- I'm not saying I'm just saying they did a side by side. The uh, I think it was yesterday's game where it was 100 I last 162 that. games of Mookie and 162 games of AJ Pollock, and the Near- numbers were really similar. Similar without the I uh, mean, 30 million dollar tag. Yeah, one point difference in OPS. Uh, one less home, home run difference. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Same amount of doubles. Uh, I think. I actually think Pollock had more stolen bases, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, I mean, really, like batting average was within a couple of points. Uh, on base percentage was within a couple of points. OPS was like one point difference, and, and all the numbers, all the numbers. I mean, they were. It was like looking at mirror images almost. Yeah. So I gotta say, uh, after that, after that deal was made, uh, I bet Han was feeling himself. You know. He's like, look at what I did. You know, he turned that Kimbrel contract that so many people were saying, oh, you're not going to get anything of any value whatsoever for Craig Krimble. And he turned it into AJ Pollock. Now, obviously, we know that AJ Pollock has had injury issues. And that has been his, uh, his major issue has been injuries over the last five years or whatever, six years. He is a gold glove defender in the outfield who hits around 300 with around like an 800, like an 820 OPS, something like that, which is pretty stinking fantastic, uh, especially for uh, $10 million. Uh, so if he can stay healthy, that is a huge, huge trade. So. But much like Adam Angle. The best everybody ever, uh, is availability. Availability. Yeah. Now, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Pollock, 
did play, I think it was like a hundred and almost 120 games last season. Uh, really close to me. I won 17, 118, something like that. You know, I'll be honest with you. If we get 118, 120 games out of him this season, and he produces the same way he did last season, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. That only leaves about 40 games for, uh, you know, Leori and, uh, you know, whoever else you want to throw out there. I'm not even going to say the other name because I, I, I can't. I can't see putting either of the two backup first basemen in right field anymore. I'm done talking about those guys playing right field too. I'm not even going to mention their names right now. I mean, so, we can be done talking about it, but uh, there well, that was doesn't Andrew Vaughn today out in right field. Yeah, sure was. I mean, sure was. Yeah, that is that. I you know I'm I'm just happy that they got a real baseball player. They did, indeed. They got a guy who, if anything, knows how to play the position. Or I shouldn't say is capable of playing the position, because let's be honest, uh, Pollock has been uh, a career center fielder. He has, Which, hey, but I mean... Fantastic. He's, yeah. got enough, he's got enough of an arm to play right field. Uh, he knows how to read a ball off a bat. He knows how to take routes. And he, like you said, he has won a gold glove in the past. So, you know... To me, that's a huge boost. And if we get 120 games in that, I'm all for it. I'm here for it, man. At $10 million, I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know how much in-depth you looked at his contract <coughs> for next year. His contract oh, for I next did. year is kind of bizarre. There's like all sorts of escalators and stuff. There's a $5 million yeah. buyout if they don't want to sign him. If right. they do sign him. It's uh, like every 50 at-bats over 400, he gets another million dollars. Another million so. bucks, yeah. So I mean, he he could make you know like uh, fourteen or fifteen million. I kind of doubt it, but uh, and also I did notice that uh, the White Sox are also paying some of his signing bonus. So he's not actually truly only making ten million dollars this yeah. year. He's making thirteen million dollars this year, but it was part of his signing bonus, I guess. And the White Sox are assuming that part of the debt, but they are only actually technically, I guess, paying out ten million or. Something along those lines. I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to, I'd have to uh, talk to the bean counters down at Thirty Fifth and Shields, and uh, I don't think that they would entertain my phone calls. So, probably not. Yeah, probably not. How you doing, Posey? Good to see you, buddy. Um, hey, I am not paying attention to the chat tonight. What's going on? What am I doing here? We're just talking about the uh, the actually the second trade. Uh, the second trade. The Toronto Blue Jays and the White Sox trade uh, third-string catchers, and the White Sox send Zach Collins, 2016 first-round draft pick, out of Miami to the Blue Jays for... Well, we got Spanky again. <laughs> yeah, for... I, you know, like... And I'm not talking about Adam Eaton. I, you know, I try, I, I try and be nice, but hey, you know, you know, when the guy did what he did, man. Yeah, when 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 that kind of thing happens, um, I don't really know how to. You could even defend that uh, in any uh, way, shape, or form. So I'm not going to bother. But well, uh, you know, let's just let. I'm going to back up the train because I am going to defend it real quick here before you go on any further. You're going to defend it. I am. Listen, this happened while he was in the minor leagues, no? And, uh, or was it in spring? 
I think no, it, it happened, happened in the minors. minors. I think so, yeah. It happened in the minor leagues. And we've talked about this on this show a few times, too, where, you know, minor league guys weren't making enough money to, uh, you know, room by themselves. And, you know, the man had needs. And, you know, you're sharing a house with seven other guys and only two bedrooms. You know, there might be one bathroom and somebody's pinching a loaf. And, you, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So you go to a Walmart parking lot and, uh, you know, whack-a-doo. Yeah. Them boys uh, ain't right. I'm whacking in my shed again. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's, uh, it's not good. Um, anyway, but I, I will say sometimes. what is good is his pitch framing and his defense and his bat to ball skill is better than Zach Collins. Now the difference being that the, uh, the blue Jays McGuire had no options left. So it was either deal him or get nothing for him. So they dealt him and then they got Zach Collins back who does have some upside if he can square up the thing in between his ears. He does have some upside of uh, some prodigious power. Um, now, if he can just actually hit the ball that he's swinging at, then that would be a step in the right direction. But he does have uh, this last year options left, so they can put him in AAA, and uh, he can even be the second, you know, the second string catcher in AAA. So if there's an injury on the major league club, they bring the other guy up to play catcher, and then you've got Collins there to take care of the AAA staff. And right. meanwhile, you know, if you need him to DH or whatever, the guy can hit tanks every once in a while. So he, he does have a, a particular skill set if he gets comfortable and gets enough at bats. So I think that that whole thing is uh, – I think that that was a win-win. Actually, I think both of those deals are a win-win – assuming that everything goes perfect for both of those trades. Like if Kimbrell doesn't come in and give up a double, a home run, a home run, and then a single, and then walk somebody and then get taken out in his first appearance. AJ Pollock got some, uh, got some hits in his uh, first game with the, with the Sox in spring training. Uh, he hit a, his first hit was a double down the line and um, he played a competent outfield which was breathtaking after having witnessed uh, <laughs> what we've been watching in right field. Oh, Lord. You know, like, I, I, I love Andrew Vaughn. I love Gavin Sheets, but those are some lumbering boys. You know, they are not fleet foot, you know. So I am all for seeing somebody that can actually get out there and, uh, and chase one down. So, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I can't, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, I thought it was a great move from the get. Uh, like you said, you know, injuries, he's got a little bit of an injury history, but injuries aside, when he's healthy, he produces. And we don't have to watch guys, you know, flail for balls that should be camped out under. You know, we don't have to watch Andrew Vaughn smash his knee into the right field turf, making a diving play in spring training in a game that doesn't count because he's not quick enough to get underneath the ball. AJ Pollock is. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, if 
And we all know, you know, the joke is Tony LaRusso him some Liuri. And, you know, it seems like uh, the whole front office has got a hard on for Andrew Vaughn. And uh, there really is nothing other than we drafted him in the first round because he had the best pure, dra- pure, bleh, pure bat coming out of the draft. So we decided to pick him number four overall. Other than that, there's really no signs of him being ready to hit major league pitching at the moment. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, this move by Rick Hahn kind of forces Tony LaRusso's hand. But, uh, you know, we've seen stranger things, so I don't really know. You know, I don't know what to make of it. You know, it' not going to be able to judge this move until I see how Tony LaRusso decides to construct his roster and his lineup day in and day out. So, you know, I feel pretty good about it right now. We'll see if that changes in the coming weeks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we've been talking about this for literally months. Right field, starting pitching, second base. Right field, oh. they, didn't, they didn't address. Second base, they signed... Josh Harrison, which, you know, and, and like we were talking about this before before we came on, that in a vacuum, I think each single move that they made this year so far, other than the Vince Velasquez thing, which that one kind of, that one, you know. If, yeah, it's a little perplexing. If cats can, you know, cats will fix them. If cats can fix hey. them, you know, then okay, fine. But from everything that we have seen from Vince Velasquez is that uh, I do not expect anything out of it. What's up, Sevenzella? How you doing? He says, Han seems to be keeping Vaughn in right field conversation. Yeah, no, trust me. <laughs> yeah, you are not the only one. Um, yeah, it makes me nervous, too. Yeah. So, uh, the only, yeah, of those, of the moves that they made. So they signed Graveman. Great. They didn't sign Tapera, but they got Graveman. You know, I think that's kind I think that's kind of a wash. I mean, I would have taken Tapera back, but instead they signed Joe Kelly, which I'm fine with Joe Kelly as well. The attitude is great. Um, the stuff is great. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't say that. I mean this has got to be one of the grittiest lineups in baseball now, between uh, you know, said Joe Kelly and Liam Hendricks and Timmy Anderson. There's there's a lot of grit and a lot of uh, energy. See the issue though, the the uh, the difference between uh, I, let's let's go with this. What is the difference between Kendall Graveman, Ryan Tapera, and Joe Kelly? One has nerve damage in their elbow. Yes, this is true. Um, so that's the one thing that kind of you know. I'm don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled to have Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly is uh, like I said. I love the attitude. I love the stuff. I'm going to spam the Joe Kelly emote in the chat. Um, I I'm really happy to have Joe Kelly. However. You know, there like I is. said, there it is. You know, nerve damage. 
it's just it's it's kind of one of the it just kind of baffles me that you're going to go out and spend seven million dollars, and that's you know that's where you're going to throw set. If your budget was thirty million dollars for the moves that you were going to make, plus the money that you had from the Kimbrel Kimbrel trade, if that was so, that technically I guess forty six million dollars. If that if if fifty million dollars was your target budget for the offseason, would you sign Vince Velasquez for $3 million, Joe Kelly for $7 million? So that's $10 million right there. You know? I Yeah. Just if you're looking at your budgetary needs and you've got $50 million, would you not maybe take $25 million of your budget and earmark that for a starting pitcher that you know that you have to address. Instead, you don't address starting pitching at all because Vince Velasquez is not a starting pitcher. He is a mop boy right uh, now. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be a shame, actually, if he even made the major league club. Well, I know guess they signed what? him to a major league contract. Yeah, but uh, you know that doesn't necessarily mean they have to hold him to that. They can always send him. But uh, yeah. they can try anyway. <laughs> Maybe somebody will claim him on waivers. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, not happening. Yeah, I mean, um, unless somebody literally contracts leprosy and their arm physically falls off, nobody is claiming him on waivers. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's just there's no. And, you I don't know, think anybody you, is that much of a sadist. You know, you talk about uh, Joe Kelly and his his nerve damage. Like, you know, I get it, but are you like you're not saying like he's not going to turn into old, old Scott Hedberg on it, is he? You know, I mean, we could we could throw him to first base. We could teach him how to play first base like they did in Moneyball. Then we'll have four. Four I mean, first base. Oh, sorry, it's a it's, sorry. I said elbow. It's a it's a shoulder. But even still, you know, like we're still talking about nerve damage here. <laughs> nerve damage. Like this is not the kind of thing that's just like, cool. It'll never, he'll never have problems with it ever again. That's that's like, that's not how this stuff works. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's It's just... We've talked about it before, and I don't I don't want to sit here and harp on it for like an hour, but you know, the way that the budget was handled, the way the off season was handled, it's it's been questionable. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who are just tuning in with us now, and if you're not a a longtime listener of the show, uh we uh we here at White Sox Daily Live tend to use this as a, a therapy session. For the two bit. of us, so uh, you know there might be some bitching and moaning and some griping, but we're gonna, we you know, we have fun with it. We're gonna, we're gonna get down to some brass tacks here and have a good time tonight. Yeah, so as I'm I- with you. We're not gonna beat up on it, but uh, it is what it is, and it's it's pretty, it's painfully obvious now, especially like it was obvious before. It's painfully obvious now, especially with some of the uh, the uh, preseason uh, injuries that uh, the Sox have encountered in the pitching department. Uh and it's it's a shame because you like you know like you said now we're scrambling you know and you're they're looking at the Johnny Quatos of of the world and 
you know, give them 48 hours to figure it out. Maybe there's another trade on the table. The White Sox have typically been tight-lipped about what they've got going on, you know, in the background. But uh, I don't know, man. Like I said, we're less than a week away from the start of the, you know, the season here. And, uh, you know, that, that pitching hole that we've been talking about since the end of last year and since that flop of uh, a playoff series that needed to be filled, uh, still hasn't been filled, and now it's 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 really almost dire to get something done. So, you know, here we are. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, Danny, and chat. I like secrets. I have uh, I, this. This may or may not come as a surprise, but I have been accused as not being an optimistic person before. Um, you don't say. Yeah, I've but you know I've come to terms with it, and that's fine. I like to prefer to call myself a realist. Um, I like to assess and uh, try and use all the facts I have in front of me to understand the situation. And uh, from uh, my assessments, the starting pitching staff is uh, one-third cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I might share your... uh your uh uh what's the word i'm looking for here uh assessment well yeah i mean i i share your 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 uh diagnosis of of maybe or your accusers uh your accusers of being uh not pessimistic um you know some people might even say i have anger issues towards how things are handled at times in especially in the sock system and I don't have anger issues. I like to think of it as a quick and assertive reaction to bullshit. Basically. Yeah. Fair you enough. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not going to, I not going to disagree with you. Um, we'll get to uh, kind of some of the things that we were talking about earlier uh, about uh, the assessments of the team by uh, other uh Outlets slash uh, sunshine and rainbow purveyors. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but you know, as uh, we have uh, mentioned the transactions, uh, the things that we have not brought up is that the White Sox also did uh, uh, acquired uh, Adam Hazley from the Phillies. Um, and, uh, they also signed, uh, another, uh, another minor leaguer. Why am I, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, another outfielder, uh, Mark Payton. Oh, yes. Mark Payton. Yeah. So, I mean, they have, they have picked up a couple of extra outfielders, um, because that was the thing that everybody was really harping on over the last, you know, since since Vaughn got injured, and then Tony Larusa comes out and says, "Well, if you think we need to look outside the organization for an outfielder, then you must not be a White Sox fan." Yeah, um, yeah, and there's, uh, you know, that spawned some articles <laughs> online of uh, how Tony Larusa is rude. You know, besides the fact that, you know, he is more, I mean, he has to say this, 
because he doesn't want to, you know, say that he doesn't have any faith in the guys that are in the clubhouse to do what he's asking them to do. So of course he's going to say that. I don't understand why that was a why the conclusion was made that uh, that he was being rude. I mean, he was just kind of trying to uh, motivate, I guess, in a interesting way. Why do we have a meme for our manager and the laziest argument ever? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean. I so, prefer the, the Jeff. The Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where is that? Let's see that guy. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll have to bring that up. I don't I don't even know where he is. I don't know why he hasn't been here. He's just like he's he just like uh, decided to weeds. Yeah, he he decided to remove himself from this graphic. And I'm not entirely sure how the heck he just up and disappeared. Doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm going to have to I'm going to have to bring him back. And uh there he, there he is. There's my guy. The White Sox Daily Live, Tony Larusa, 5K. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him bigger. Make him oh, bigger. Let's, yeah, I like that. There we go. Woo. Yeah, I'm gonna I, get- do, I do not know why we have a meme for a manager. I do not. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I know why. J-R-Y. Same reason why we, you know, why we don't have Robbie Ray on the team, and why we don't have prob- probably why we don't have Carlos Rodon either. You know, um, yeah. And like, uh, like one of our other uh, White Sox daily uh, crew members uh, mentioned in our chat earlier today. You know, he, uh, you know, they didn't want to hire AJ Hinch. At least the rumor or you know the speculation is because of the the taint that he had on the whole sign stealing. Yeah, I said taint. Uh, the the whole sign stealing scandal, and uh, you know, after his suspension, after he served his one year suspension, he's now a uh, a manager for the Tigers. But uh, you know, how can the White Sox organization use that as an excuse to not hire one of the best managers in the game, <coughs> knowing that Tony Larusa had just gotten his second DUI not that long. Beforehand, and it was going to come to head, and you you can't, you know, you you can't blow smoke in one hand and try to use the mirrors in the other hand, and somebody going, "That's not real. That's magic. <laughs> it's not real. It's an illusion. It, it's an illusion." So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, we do. We have a meme for a manager. We do. <sighs> Yeah, so uh, you know they have addressed the need for an outfielder and not, you know, at least depth in AAA. So they they have pseudo addressed it. So at least that part's good. Um, yeah. And then they and then they acquire Pollock, which I was not expecting. Um, to be honest, I was kind of expecting them to dump Kimbrel for a couple of prospects and stash the money away. That's right, kind of what I was day. figuring. Yeah. But I mean, in a vacuum, all of the acquisitions that they have made this off season, I'm happy with, except for the Vince Velas- Velasquez one, which I mean, 
They paid $3 million for Rodon last year. They're paying $3 million for Velasquez this year. And it was inconsequential for Rodon. And I would say that it's probably inconsequential for Velasquez as well. Uh, The difference being that I think that, you know, I thought we were actually going to get something out of Rodon last year. I don't think we're going to get anything out of Velasquez. (laughs) Yeah, as a matter uh, of fact, you and I did a a show almost completely dedicated to Rodon last year. Uh, uh, One of our first shows together, I want to say. But, uh, yeah, uh, we both expected Rodon to uh, come out and do pretty much exactly what he did. We we talked him up really well, and uh, we we both agreed that, you know, if he goes out and does what we know he could do, uh, that three million dollars is going to be a steal, and it was. And now here we are again. You know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I hate to be right that three million dollars on Velasquez might be a, a just complete waste of three million dollars. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, it could be also that uh, you know, I mean, now that we're down a Lance Lynn and down a Carlos Rodon, now Andy what do you Garrett do? Crochet. Because yeah, also down a a, a Garrett Crochet. Um, what do you well, like? Somebody's got to eat those innings, and unfortunately, uh, I think that it's going to come down to just the fact that he is a warm body with an arm, and he does throw. You know, what was the old joke? Some shit with an arm. Yeah, Pardon my exactly. friend. Oh, I gotta, yeah, that's the gotta um, clean it up. We're uh, we're a clean show here. I'm sorry. I might. <laughs> that was the uh, catcher. <laughs> I know. I yeah. was just. I know what it yeah. was. I'm just. But you know, no. Yeah. But up. yeah. Um. But somebody's got to eat these innings. Somebody does. I know it's not going to be Kopech because he's thrown two innings in spring training. So the odds of him throwing more than four innings in his first start is like probably next to zero. You know, you're probably getting three innings. And then your next three or four innings are probably going to be Velasquez because you need somebody to eat those innings. Now, the question, you know, like it might be interesting how they play that is that if Michael goes out there and gets his brains beat in because he's walking guys all over the place in the first, like, you know, say he makes it three innings, but he's walked like, five guys or something, right? Five guys burgers. And uh you're already down like 7 to 1, right? Right. Cool. Send Vince uh, fine. Warm up Vince. But Right. Pop if duty. <laughs> if Kopech goes out there and he throws, you know, four innings and shuts down the other team and they score a run or zero runs, warm up Raylo. You know, because I would certainly trust Reynaldo Lopez's stuff more than I would trust Vince Velasquez's stuff. Now, absolutely, I'm not saying that every single time Reynaldo goes out there that we are going to get the Reynaldo that we saw flashes of coming back last year where he was having like those flashes of dominance. Um, I don't think that, you know, that's going to be a 
consistent thing. I think that that's going to be like it has been through the rest of his career. It's going to be, you know, very inconsistent. It'll happen for two starts in a row, and then it'll have three bad ones in a row. You know, or, you know, appearances, because he's not going to be starting for the most part, probably. You know, I mean, yeah. that's that's the only thing I can figure. Um, the lineup for Charlotte came out today. Uh, Jeff with uh, Future Socks down in Charlotte uh, posted on Twitter. And Cade McClure is getting the first start. And I think, I oh, think. Dribbled up myself. Jimmy Lambert, you got a hole in your chin. Uh, Jimmy Lambert is taking the second start, I believe. Um, and one of the guys who pitched today uh, for the White Sox against the uh, Cub. Um, Lincoln Hensman? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, Lincoln Hensman had a day. You know, You know what I was thinking? As I was watching... Lincoln Hensman out on the mound. All I could think of was Matt Foster. Oh. And I'm just sitting here watching, you know, I want to say it was like six batters in a row that got hits. And Hensman hadn't gotten an out yet. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, are we leaving this kid out here to die? Yep. I mean, like, <laughs> step up in competition for him <coughs> big time because he's facing, uh, you know, the the top of the order for the, for the Cub, which, I mean, say what you will about how their results are probably going to, uh, you know, end up this year. But, you know, you've got Hap, Contreras, uh, Madrigal, Nico Horner, and oh, Nick Madrigal, Nicky yeah. Barrels hitting uh, dingers off of Bennett Souza today. Nicky <laughs> Barrels, what a what a terrible nickname. Um, I mean, three run dinger. Has he ever done that in his before today? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, James Fugan posted uh, that uh, you know that Madrigal had to retort for Eloy's home run and uh, said that the White Sox needed to counter with uh, either Matt Rose or Bryant Flete. And I was uh, quick to point out that the, the person in that trade with the best uh, batting average in the major leagues over his career uh, was not mentioned in that tweet. And that is Dylan Cease with a 375 batting average. Hey, hey, hey. Yes. Um, yeah, what about these Cueto rumors? Yeah, we were talking about that for for a minute there, Sevenzella. The uh, the Cueto rumors. I'm not going to say that I don't believe them, because I 100% do believe them, because that sounds like one of the white soxiest of white sox moves that could be made. Yeah, is the Irvin Santana part de signing of Johnny Cueto. Um, the only cool thing is, is that uh, if at some point in the year, if he is a, uh, 
an innings eater, like uh, you know, taking over for a Kopech start or something like that, is that he can ride his uh, his Pasofino out from the bullpen, and we can watch its its nice little its nice little gate out to the uh, out to the pitcher's mound to let him off. Um, Pasofino. I'm I'm assuming that's the uh, the little horse. <laughs> that is the breed of the horse. Yes, and actually, like the thing is, is that uh, here's something you don't do know about that. me, Joe Rogan. I smoke rocks, but I also used to work <laughs> at. Uh, <laughs> I also used to work at a uh, a horse um, stable and arena and stuff uh, way back when, and uh, the owner of said place, he had Pasofinos, which are the kind of horses that Johnny Cueto has, which are they they're a small breed of horses. Uh, but they have like this like really weird walk. It, it looks like they're walking in, uh, you know, like double time. But the only thing that's moving, it's like they're Irish dancers. You know, it's like everything above their knee doesn't move. Just <laughs> everything below their knees, uh, backwards knees because they're horses. But, um, you know, everything below that is what moves. Like nothing else moves. You know, you like see the... <coughs> You see the wind blowing through their hair, you know, like Michael Flatley. Yeah, just a, just yeah, a little yeah. bit of wind, but you know, it's a, you know, like a like a duck on the surface looks very serene, but below the water, you know, going crazy. Same thing. Um. <laughs> so yeah, just thought I'd uh, yeah, that impart was, that, that knowledge a- on horses to you. Yeah, that was. Oh, thanks for the tidbit, man. I appreciate <laughs> that. That was. Uh, I, you know, I just, the whole time you're talking, I'm still envisioning the video of him riding the horse. Hilarious. So he's like this huge man, you know, and if it'd be like one thing if, you know, if he's on top of like a Tennessee Walker or like, a, you know, like any, you know, like Clydesdale or something like that, he would look like a man on a horse. But right. because it's freaking Johnny Cueto, you know, it looks like, uh, like a full grown adult on like a, you know, like a six month old horse, you know, it just looks ridiculous, but, um, Oh Lord. Seven Zeller. Are you really, are you saying that Cubs fans would not stop talking about that Nick Madrigal home run? I am shocked. They're usually so humble. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, So anywho, uh, tell him, come back and talk to me when he's uh, out for the season in, you know, the third week of May. Oh, don't no, don't curse. Or when he's Nikki two strikes, Nikki I'm lasers. Not, I'm not. I'm not cursing him. He does that front well enough on his own. Yeah, you know, he'll, you know, he'll 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 pull a hammy falling down between second and third base. Well, you know, you know what he did do today. Um, he did uh, have an errand throw that pulled the first baseman off the bag. Uh, I watched the game a couple of days ago. I don't remember who the Cubs were playing, but he had a throwing error in that game as well. When the cover, uh, when the pitcher covered first base and he threw the ball away, you know? So the things that people complained about when Madrigal was on the South side, they still exist. Nothing has changed overnight. He hasn't all of a sudden become a gold glove fielder. Um, that's one of those things that's just going to take him time. And the thing with him is he hasn't gotten 
the ridiculous amount of reps that he should have gotten in these last few years because he's always hurt. Right. So if he can manage to stay healthy, cool. I, you know, I wish Nick Madrigal well. I would like to think that things are not going to turn out for all of the White Sox drafts for the last few years, first-round picks, you know? Yeah. Zach Collins, Zach Birdie, both first-rounders from 2016. One is a Blue Jay. One is a free agent. The second-round pick from that 2016 draft, Alec Hansen, now retired. Uh, the, uh, I think, I think the third, I'm trying to think if the third round pick, the third round pick, I believe was Alex call who is in the Indians. Uh, he's in the Indians organization in triple a, he did really way in, really well in double a last year. And then they bumped him up to triple a and then he kind of kind of nosedive when he got to AAA, but he's back in AAA, the uh, Columbus Clippers this year. And, uh, yeah, so not one of those guys is still in the organization. 2017, you've got Jake Berger, you know, where he had his double Achilles, so he was gone forever. And I'm so happy for him that he has, you know, that he's found – his way back up here and his body is healed and he's doing his thing and you know, his guys positive mental health and everything's great. Like I, I love that. Yeah, he looks him. like That's he's awesome. in the best shape I've ever, I can best remember shape of him. his life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We know that line too. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, he really does. Line. He, he looks, he, he looks look. like he's in great shape and, and it's awesome. You know, like I'm really uh, stoked for him, but you know, this, the second rounder from that draft might, I think he's going to do some things for the Sox. 2017. I'm trying to think. 2017. The second rounder? Yeah, I'm trying to think. He played with the, he played with the MLB team a little bit last year. Yeah, I probably did. Uh, and I'm I'm uh, blanking. Uh, he's a really big it, guy. It, oh, Gavin Sheets. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I blanked on that. For some reason, I was thinking that uh, – I was thinking, yeah, no, he was second round. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, and then uh, I also saw that, uh, speaking of uh, White Sox draft picks, um, Connor Pilkington, who was traded for Cesar Hernandez (laughs) uh, last July, uh, he is now part of the Cleveland Indians 28-man roster. roster. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh I mean great for great for Pilk. I'm really happy for him. Uh he has some really nasty stuff and he's a he's a good pitcher and he worked really hard to do to to get better last year and it really paid off for him and he was looking fantastic and then they traded him. So uh yeah. Thrilled about that. Thrilled. Yeah. So there was one more move that we haven't talked about yet so far. Uh, as far as, you know, we were talking about the trades and, and the signings and whatnot. Uh, yeah. The White Sox did avoid 
arbitration uh, with yes. the one you, Lucas Giolito. Yes. Uh, I believe Lucas Giolito submitted a arbitration number of $7.5 million. There was talk of a $200 million different gap, which then turned into a $50,000 gap. Uh, when the Sox submitted it, 7.3. They got as close as 7.45. And this was a big issue for, uh, well, you no, know, they, for they, about they, two they, weeks. They offered 7.4. He offered 7.45. And oh, they, wouldn't, okay. that and they was... wouldn't do it. Yeah. Right. Okay. And here we are, a week and a half later, after stuff goes down. Lucas Giolito avoids arbitration by signing a $7.45 million contract for the 2022 season. Yeah. What on earth is going on where if this was the thing that was going to happen, why is this being leaked? Why are these numbers being leaked all over the place for White Sox fans to speculate and get all up in arms in just to find out that, hey, guess what? That's 7.45. You're going to get that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is Rick Hahn in an interview said, don't worry, you know, like we're working on it. Don't worry about it. And, uh, you know, so, you know, while he was doing his uh, press conference talking about Lance Lynn's knee and Garrett Crochet's uh, arm falling off, uh, he did do a victory lap about the Lance or the uh, Lucas Giolito extension. And uh, he's like, it's almost like when I said, don't worry about it, it's like I knew something. And it's like, okay, so cool, you know? Like, I guess. I just, I, they, they wanted to pay him 12.5 a year. So why is the difference between 7.4 and 7, you know, 7.3 and 7.5, 7.4 and 7.45? Like, what's, what is the difference? Who cares? <laughs> you know, like I just, I, I don't, the whole arbitration thing in general just confuses me because usually the franchise that you play for, you would think that they would like to build up your confidence. And the whole point of arbitration is for the team to talk to you and tell you how much you suck and why you don't deserve that extra $200,000, you know, and then it's your, your lawyers, your agent and lawyer's job to say oh no but look at these stats this is why he does deserve it it's like you know like they're haggling over you know like a minor leaguer salary you know you know what i'm saying and we know how much how little they make you know because they don't want to pay them we do we do we do yeah oh man you know well there's comedy and all that i can i you know I, i can sit here and laugh about it all now it's just it's just ridiculous how the whole thing played out, you know. Uh, it, it's it's probably the perfect crescendo to the way the White Sox offseason has gone. I mean, there it's just been a comedy of errors and missteps, and there's been some media leaks here and there that just you know are head scratchers and some moves that are like you know what the, what the f. And here we are in, in, at the end of the day, Lucas Giolito signs for basically what he submitted after the whole thing. Uh, you know, oh, anywho, anywho. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I, I can't argue. 
I mean, to me, it just like from from the outside, uh, it just uh, it must look absolutely just ridiculous. And like the thing is, is that it's not like. Well, we're not exactly on the inside. I can tell you from being well, on the. No, yeah, but I'm saying like from from a player on another team. Say the other player doesn't know Lucas Giolito, doesn't know anything about the White Sox, other than what they see on websites and uh you know like about stuff like this you know i just it just doesn't make any sense to me i mean not that anybody's going to make any financial decisions of who they're going to sign with off of the internet except for marcus stroman um you know i'm just simply saying that it has to look absolutely ridiculous from a from a player's perspective to have to uh, deal with that nonsense over such a small amount when 2018 worst in baseball, but he had something that numbers would not, or something about there's something inside him that wouldn't let numbers define him or whatever, however it goes. I can't remember. Yeah. That's pretty close. Yeah. It's close ish. Stephen B. Smith. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, yeah, this off season has been just a, it's like every time I look and it's like, we've, we've tried to coherently make the, you know, like, uh, sorry, consciously make the decision to try and be positive about stuff. But then it's like every time you turn around something like this has been going on like the entire the entire off season it's just uh, you know well how about you know obviously minus the the lockout but i mean it's just like there's just like these confusing things where the general manager saying one thing and saying that they're going to do something and then they don't do any of that and they do the opposite of that i it just uh it's there's still time there's still time <laughs> You know, uh, we have, uh, well, I mean, at, you know, when we kick over to midnight here, we've got three days until opening day. So there's still time. Um, You're right. Three days. I'm, I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. I don't know. Why I was pushing it back even further. Yeah, there was the, uh, the well, it's four, four days, you know, from today, I guess, technically. But, you know, when it clicks over to tomorrow. Anyway, anyway, but, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, like you said, <laughs> what? were they waiting for to uh to take care of this stuff like what do you uh you know that so i have to imagine that there wasn't much debate about whether they were going to offer the qualifying offer to carlos rodon i'm pretty sure that as soon as the season was over they had already talked about it they already knew exactly what they were going to do and that was not offering the money Yes, Tigers just traded for Austin Meadows. That is true. Um, that is one thing that I wanted to get into as well as uh, some of the stuff going on in the uh, rest of the division yeah. really quick. Um, yeah, let's let's hit that up before we uh, we move into the fun part of the show. Yeah. Um, why am I? Uh, I'm bl- I'm, I blacked out just there. I don't know where I am. What's going on? Um, uh, what was I talking about? I was talking about something. Austin Meadows. Austin Meadows. Let's talk about Austin Meadows. Yeah. So, um, 
the last couple of days, I've been seeing a lot of uh, the White Sox Twitter universe and social media universe. I'll just I'll put a blanket over it and say social media universe, where the fan base is more or less saying that the entire rest of the division, yes, they've gotten better, but the White Sox are so much better than them that even though the current situation that they're in, I've seen multiple people saying that they're still going to win 93 to 95 games. Uh, and right, literally, right as I hit the start button on start streaming tonight, I got a notification that the Tigers had traded for Meadows. So they've brought up Torkelson. Now they have Meadows. They signed Baez. You know, I mean, say what you will about both of those guys and their strikeout rates, whatever. Yeah. And overrated or not, he's still an upgrade to what they had out there last year. Well, Baez is a two hundred percent upgrade to what they you know from what they had last right. year. But um, right. yeah, so they have upgraded multiple positions. Their pitchers, which I cannot say for the White Sox, their pitchers that they've had up have been mostly healthy, and their pitchers have not gotten uh, injured. Uh, they've picked up uh, a little bit. Of, they. They've picked up more starting pitching than the White Sox did, which is just baffles me. But, um, I mean, I know that their team isn't that great, but when your GM comes out and says that you need starting pitching and, like, literally everybody in your division has upgraded their pitching except for you, um, that kind of strikes me as odd. But yeah. uh, the Tigers, as we have, dis- you know, as we discussed last year, uh, once May kicked over, uh, about halfway through May, the Tigers more or less kept pace with the White Sox the entire year after that. So they improved. Just even with the roster that everybody said would lose 100 games, after that awful start that they had, they kept pace with the White Sox from mid-May all the way until the end of the season. The White Sox yeah, gained three games. Yeah, they gained three games since mid-May on the Tigers. So that should tell you how close they were to becoming a team that is, you know, at, le- at least a halfway decent team that you can't just say cakewalk. Yeah, I, I, none of these teams in the Central are going to lay down. The Indi- the uh, the Guardians, they they might. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's they true. Have, they have some pitching, but I mean, they've got they got uh, Jose this Ramirez second, and second or third lowest uh, payroll in baseball, which is ridiculous. Yeah, 30, you know? 33 million, yeah. thirty three million, Max Something Max like Serger is making more money this year by himself than like yeah. six teams. Entire payrolls, insane. Um, so uh, <laughs> yesterday it was announced that Bobby Witt Jr. will be joining the opening day roster for the Royals. Uh, they also signed uh, 
Zach Greinke, um, which, you know, 50-mile-an-hour curveballs incoming. I don't really, you know, I don't think that the White Sox should be even remotely threatened with uh, with uh, Zach Greinke, but um, even still, um, that Royals lineup whipped the White Sox pitching rotations ass last year. Yeah, it did. And now they've got Bobby Witt Jr., who literally every time I turn around, dude's smacking extra base hits everywhere. And it, that that happened through the entire minor. So it's not like it's just because it's Arizona and that uh, I you know I'm being uh, you know overreactor over here. But uh, the kid can hit. He's a stud. Um, even if it takes him, uh, I don't think it's going to take him very long to adjust because he is that good at baseball. There are some guys that just are so good that when they come up, they can just play. So, I mean, regardless of whether he hits, you know, 340 or not and uh, puts up, you know, like an 850, 900 OPS, regardless of that, I still think that it's an upgrade over what was there last year. Absolutely. So they've gotten better. And they already, you know, were giving the White Sox a hard time last year. Then we move to the the Twins, who, you know, managed to get rid of that Josh Donaldson money uh, and got Gio Urshela, who can hit. I was going to say, uh you know, if uh, if any indication of what or if anything, you know, you look at Josh Donaldson's number last year, and and the, the how he fell apart for them last season. Gio Urshela is an upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that you know, as we said, the best ability is availability, and he's going to be there. Plus, they also picked up Sanchez, which that is a loss compared to Garver. Okay, I yeah, get that. I agree. Um, but they also got. Uh, Carlos Correa, which is a real nice upgrade and a leadership upgrade as well. That's that's a big one for them. Um, and then, not only that, but they get Byron Buxton back, who, if you remember, when he got hurt last year, which I know that, that, that this is an issue with him getting hurt, and it could be that he's, you know, like Nick Madrigal where, you know, He's back for two months and then he's out for the rest of the year again. I don't. I don't know. What I do know is that before he got injured last year, he was on an on an MVP pace. Yeah, he, he got, was tearing it up. He was going to hit like forty five home runs. You know, like tw- he's probably going to hit like fifteen triples. I mean, the guy was out of his mind last year, and so he's coming back. And I don't know if you've watched any of spring training. That dude is hitting the piss out of the ball. So. Uh, what Luis Roberts doing for the White Sox? That's what Buxton is doing for the Twins, except for half like uh, the the balls that Luis Roberts hitting for doubles. Half of them have been home runs for Buxton. He's hitting home runs all over the place. Yeah. So uh, and and they've upgraded. Uh, you know, I know that their pitching is not the greatest. However, one through five. You might not have any aces in there that are true stoppers, but it's pretty consistent over those five. You know, you don't have anybody that's like, you know, Sonny Gray, he'll 
he'll have a game where he'll go out there and he'll he'll do it for you and it'll be it'll you know be a shutout and Bailey Ober he'll probably do the same thing probably against the White Sox because they can't seem to hit Bailey Ober for some unknown reason. <laughs> um just you know Cy Ober. Cy Ober. That's that's going to be a fun one to say. Um Cy Ober. Yeah, but they have a, how stupid does that Jose Barrios trade look now? If the Twins yeah. had Jose Barrios now with what they have, that team would be probably a heck of a lot closer, to, you know, at least in the the experts' eyes, as far as how this division's going to play out. Because last year, we certainly didn't think they were going to be as bad as they were. I didn't think that they were going to win 97 games like a couple of people that I know that are Twins fans said. But, <laughs> but I was fairly certain. Friends that of the that, stream? <laughs> uh, there's one. Um, there's yeah, one in particular. If Bodie's still in here, he knows him. He's a He knows the Twins fan I'm talking about. Um, but uh, I don't think like – I don't think pretty much anyone – could have predicted that the twins dropped off as bad as they did. You know, I mean, they, nobody was, nobody in their right mind thought that they were going to finish last in the division. No, I mean, they just won a division the you know, two seasons or yeah, two seasons before. Yeah. Nobody expected them to do, you know, fall off the face of the earth. The two seasons before. The, you know, the two seasons. Yeah. yeah, the two seasons before, like because right. the White Sox blew the division in in 2020. Right. So they had won the division two years in a row. So no, under you know, nobody was thinking that they were going to finish 73 and 89. Nobody, right. and they just they tanked. Nobody, you know, nobody saw that coming, and it made it easy for the White Sox. And uh, I give it to uh, to to the Twins' ownership and to their GM. Uh, they did a pretty stinking nice job of turning that team around and getting rid of some dead weight and turning it into useful payroll. Absolutely. So uh, anybody who thinks that the <coughs> Twins are going to go out this year and be in last place and finish you know, 73 and 89 again, I got news for you. That's not, not happening. happening. Not happening. So if you think that the White Sox with out Carlos Rodon and without Lance Lynn for two months to start the year with a rotation of Giolito, Cease, Dallas Keuchel, Michael Kopech, who could be amazing, could be, but he's still he's not going to pitch deep into games, so he's not going to be eating eating innings for you. He's going to be eating bullpen for you. Yeah, not innings. He's yeah. going to be eating the bullpen. Like the bullpen yeah. is going to be overworked in his starts because he's not going to be able to go deep into these games, and you don't hey, want him to because you don't want to blow up and, his arm. And let's be honest, unless Tony Larusa has uh, changed philosophy on bullpen use between last year and this year, he's already going to be taxing guys in the bullpen. 
yeah, judging by how last year went when your starters were ready, you know, like they were pretty ready to go when it started because they had a normal spring training. And the fact that the starters started like kind of trailing off a little bit towards the end last year and we're getting like these little nagging injuries and stuff. And that was already after he had been running the bullpen into the ground all year long, you know, uh, seven. Yeah, we says, brought his name up once, uh, Matt yeah. Foster. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so seven zealous says the fact that the tigers and twins are chomping at the bit and jumpstarting their contention should be an indication. They believe the Sox are a wounded giant. And you would think that Ooh. that would motivate Han. That is an astute observation. And it kind of goes along with something that I was thinking is that I felt that the White Sox did not have that eye of the tiger. They did not have they, that killer instinct, and they, they sat around. They didn't get around. the memo. Yeah, they sat around, and like, you know, like more or less what Seven Zealous says here, they, they were complacent and were like, I think we can let Rodon walk, and I still think we're going to win the division. Well, guess what? While you are sitting here saying, ah, I think we'll be fine without Rodon. I think we can uh, win the division without him. And, you know, like we'll reassess at the trade deadline. Well, guess what? The rest of the teams in the division were like, yeah, I don't think so, pal. You know, and they went out and made a bunch of moves and made their teams better. And I know, surprise, surprise, just like you did, we have our prospects coming up too from all the number one picks that we got from sucking for a few years. Except for the differences is that the number one picks that we got are all good. <laughs> you know, that's that's the that is the difference here. You know, is that Bobby Witt Jr. is probably not going to struggle. Spencer Torkelson, he might struggle a little bit. He didn't do all that hot in AAA, so. You know, he could. It might take him a little bit of time to uh, assimilate into uh, major league yeah, baseball. Yeah, there's but. there's a little bit of a a, a thought that uh, he may be being rushed out of necessity uh, yep. due to some injuries in in their camp there. But you know, the reality is, is uh, the kid's been a monster pretty much everywhere he's gone, except for some limited time in AAA last year. So, yeah, and yeah. it's not like he's the only prospect for them either that's on their way. You know, they've got they got they got some guys on the way and a, they've had a couple of injuries in their, you know, of their prospects. But I, you know, yeah, well, with Hunter Green going down, it was Riley Green coming up and, and Spencer, Spencer Torkelson, you know, and it, it, Riley Green and Spencer. God, why can't I say his name today? Yeah. Spencer Torkelson. Those, I mean, you're talking about two really big name prospects right there that are going to yeah. come up and they're going to they're going to make some noise. They're going to do some damage. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, our the the guys that we got, we got through trade, and we got from signing Luis Robert, and you know, off the international market, all those draft picks that the White Sox had, like they haven't, like I mean, realistically, the only thing that they've gotten out of any of the draft draft picks from 2016, 17, 18, and uh, you know, like all those guys, I mean, they've had some trade pieces and you know sheets is up and he's you know hitting some dingas and whatever but like all the first round picks like the only one who's had any serious serious time 
with the Sox is uh, magical, and he's gone. He's on the Cubs, and he was injured, you know, with season-ending injuries twice in two years. So, I don't know, man. I just, I do not, I am not feeling the immense uh, overconfidence that the majority of uh, that was a that's a nice artsy angle, you know, little. <laughs> um, so I, I just, you know what I computer was not plugged in and I just got a, ah. a notification your battery's gonna die so just trying to avoid uh technical difficulties there yeah I'm not uh you know like I said I am I have been accused of not being optimistic and it is a hundred percent uh probably accurate that maybe I am overreacting a little bit um but and maybe maybe I'm overestimating the value of some of the other teams' acquisitions, and likely I am. But the thing is, is that in doing that, I'm also not overestimating the White Sox and assuming that every single thing that happens to White Sox is going to be perfect. You know, like most people, you know, like, hey – uh, Luis Roberts got uh, thirty to one odds down at the casino for MVP. You know, like you should go put some money on it. You know, I mean, I'm not doing that. Now, I'm not saying that he's not going to be great, um, as I'll get to a little bit later. But, um, you know, I just I, I'm not assuming that we are going to uh, lightning in a bottle from everybody. And that the White Sox are just going to cruise. I just, I do not see that happening. Now, to be honest with you, now that we have a a, a, a right fielder that uh, at least is an outfielder, you know, whether or not he stays healthy, uh, we have this guy. Uh, I feel pretty good about the lineup. Yeah, I feel now, fine whether or about not, the lineup. Right, whether or not the usage is... Uh, done the right way is all another story, but uh, I feel pretty good about the lineup. But now, you know, we got this starting pitching issue and we have been, we've been ranting and raving on right field for so damn long. We finally got our right fielder and literally the same day that that happens, we get all this bad news. Yep. And, and you, you kind of go like, you know what? It just feels like here we go again. You know what I mean? It's it's that same kick in the teeth where, you know, you think things are just going to be, like you say, sunshine and rainbows and butterflies and the whole nine yards. And you get this kick in the teeth. And there, you know, we've been talking about the whole show. There was time to address this before we got to this point. And that is the most maddening part of the whole thing. There were issues that needed to be filled. And now you have twice over the same issue that needs to be filled. And it's not like so, they didn't know that they is. had the issues. That's the thing is that they even right. admitted that they had the issues and they literally just did not do anything about it. Right. Which to me is just completely bizarre. And like I said, the only explanation I can come up with it for it is that they were caught off guard by, by the shape of the off season this year. Yeah. That's the only thing. That's the only thing I can think of. And, and, I, and I can't imagine how that even happened. What? 
to be honest with you, once the move started happening, they were they happened at furious pace. They did. And yep. you know, you you got I mean, we all sat here going, when's it gonna happen? When's it gonna happen? And it, it never happened. So I mean, even if they weren't ready to jump day one, by day three, they should have been pulling triggers. You would think that and, they would at least try and do something. And it, it well, it, it you know, it never materialized. I mean, it's probably like one of those things where they're like, uh, one thing that they say that they like to do is they like to uh, identify their guy, and then they like to go after their guy. That's, uh, I think that's what the uh, what Rick Hahn <laughs> says is that they, they uh, you know, they identify their target, and that's who, that's who they go for. And, they, and yeah, they, uh, they they put all their focus on that one thing. Well. You know the old saying about putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Uh, please continue. I didn't mean. Yeah, to step I mean on it's you just you know it's it it's what I, exactly what I'm saying. You know, uh, there was there were two things uh, in a conversation that I had earlier today that I brought up. Uh, two sayings that I think are worth mentioning at this time of the season with everybody. Uh, in their mindset that the White Sox are just going to walk to the title, and uh, the only thing that's really in question is uh, what the playoff seating is going to be. Number one would be don't count your chickens before they hatch, and number two is you can't win the division in April and May, but you can lose it. You most certainly can. And since this Ask team the has, Tigers last year. <laughs> exactly. You have no Rodon, and now you have no Lynn. That's 40% of your starting rotation from last year. And I will add that it is 40, it, it's 66% of your, you know, pitchers that were in. Cy Young conversations of some sort. I guess I, I guess maybe fifty percent of your because Gilito got Cy Young award votes and Cease got you know had all those uh, had all those like top metrics numbers and everything. Um, Either way, though, I mean, you're talking about two two yeah. two of your really big pitchers from last year that are gone that you now have to replace all those innings for. Yeah. Yep. For for two months minimum for one of them. And then the other one's yeah, just Berlin. gone. Totally. Yeah, he's just gone. Yeah. And then you replaced it with Vince Velasquez or right. Kopech, you know, however you decide right. to look at it. Right. You uh, just got to hope that Ronaldo Lopez can be, you know, Ronaldo Lopez of, you know, 2018. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's really the only hope you've got right now. And, uh, you know, Johnny Cueto, or whoever, you know, and it wouldn't shock me that, you know, Hans got another trick up his sleeve, but to be able to get anybody of real value in the pitching market right now, this late in spring training, you're going to have to give something up. So strap it down. If, if you're, if you're a White Sox fan and you're like Ian and I, and you want to see somebody come in and Rick Hahn is doing his magic to make that happen. Strap it in. Somebody you like is going to go away. Yep. Guaranteed. Somebody you like is going to be playing in a, in a different uniform. Yeah. And that's, the, that's the, 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 the fact of the matter. You know, we could have signed guys that, you know, during the, uh, the off season 
before the uh, winter lockout that would have cost nothing but money. Now you're looking at it's going to cost you uh, at least one or two good pieces out of your already, well, what some would call thin farm system. Yep. So, so uh, anywho. Yeah, so something, uh, so the Austin Meadows trade, uh, the Rays traded Austin Meadows to the Tiger, Tigers for uh, infielder prospect uh, Isaac Paredes and uh, competitive balance round B selection. I think Paredes, I th- want to say he's one of their top five prospects, if I remember correctly. I don't remember what number he is, but he's highly rated. Um. I, I obviously he's not the number one because that is uh, he's not the one or two because that's uh, Torkelson and uh, and Green, uh, right? Both of which are going to be playing on the uh, the big league rosters here. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. I was wrong. Where the heck is he? Where the heck is this bum? They already took him off of here. Okay. Uh, he's probably no updated shot. already. Yeah, they updated already. That's crazy. Now I'm gonna have to look at the uh, 22 top MLB prospects by team because I'm curious to see uh, what number he was. I can't remember. I know I know that he was on there, so Jackson Job. That's a name. It's yeah, a good baseball it's, name. It is a good best it is a good baseball name. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I'm gonna have to find it later. Um but yeah. Uh so now that we've talked about that and uh ruined everything for ourselves, uh this is the uh, the bold predictions streamcast, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, what better time to do it than when we're three, four days away from the uh, opening of the regular season? So let's get them out there. Yeah, you, you, why don't you uh, go ahead and you start because I know that well, you've I was got, thinking uh, we could. I was thinking we could start with. Well, I do have one. I've got one that I'll start with, and then I was thinking we could start with the uh, the guys on the crew and get those out there because I know uh, Xavier was in the chat here earlier. I don't know if he's still here with us, but uh, yeah. I'm sure he'd like to chime in on uh, his prediction. But I got one that I'm just going to throw out there. I know I told you earlier I had two or three. I have three. I, I threw a fourth one out there just because it's a simple, quick, easy one, and it's not really all that bold. Uh, so... My bold prediction, the first one, uh, is going to be that before season's end, before the deadline, or right at the deadline, I'm going to predict that sometime this year, the White Sox payroll is going to be over $200 million for the first time in team history. Hmm. I believe that there is going to be a trigger pulled somewhere. I don't expect it. Right now, which is why I say before the season's over, we'll see. Well, uh, what I happens. mean, you're realistically, I mean, you're looking at uh, about seventeen million dollars more payroll. 
So we're talking a uh, probably uh, either a number one or number two pitcher is my guess, unless there's some sort of catastrophic nonsense that I'm hoping that we don't have to deal with. Right. That's kind of the thought. I'm thinking somewhere, somewhere along the lines, maybe they do pull a trigger that you know you find a, a team with a struggling. A struggling team with uh, with no chance of making the playoffs and uh, you know fire sale time, and I think uh, the White Sox might go ahead and pull the trigger because hey, my thought process on this one is with the atrocious back to back playoff season that the White Sox have had. First time the Sox have gone back to back in 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 the postseason and did not look good at either time, and both times it was because of pitching that they really looked you know, outmatched. I think this is the time they pull the trigger at the deadline. And uh, I'll leave that at that. And we can go ahead and move on to the other ones. Yeah. That was a quick and easy one. Working on this here, trying to get this thing all sorted out. Of course, it wants to be a pain. Uh, Where the heck is it? Why am I having such a hard time? What the hell is this thing? It's not that one. It's not that one. Okay. Those are all... It's got to be in here. All right. How, how the heck? Oh, I know what that is. Ooh, we right. got a uh, a transparent window. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out which one. It's not that one. That's you. Hi. Huh. Uh, which one is it? <laughs> What in the heck? Nope. 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 Yeah, not that one. I don't want to use that one. Nope. 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 Hey, hey, what the heck is going on here, man? There's, I'm gonna have a seizure in a minute, man. All these flashy yeah, lights. I, I have no idea, like, how the heck. You know what? I'm just gonna do that. Yeah, here you go. Just yeah, right scoot you on out of the way. Oh, you know what it probably is? It's probably that. No, it can't be. That. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, we'll just go ahead and do this. So, um, we are going to go to the bold predictions for uh, Xavier Sanchez. Um, let me go ahead and get this guy out of the way right here, so that way I can still see that. All right, cool. All right. All right, and here we go. Xavier Sanchez' bold prediction is that Dylan Cease will take another leap and has become the best pitcher on the starting staff. What say you? It's Daniel pretty bold. Miller? I would say it's bold. When you have uh, a one Lucas Giolito who is trying to uh, get that big contract extension and, uh, you know, whether or not the White Sox extend him what he feels he's worth is another story. But, uh, you know, he's pitching for uh, for a big payday here. Uh, but, man, I'd love to see it. Dylan Cease comes out and becomes the guy. No complaints from me. What do you think? 
I think it's entirely possible. I mean, we saw his uh, end of the end of the year numbers last year. Um, ridiculous amount of strikeouts. Um, the the one thing that uh, that I did notice is that his his whip's still pretty high. Um, it's still like around one point three five ish, I want to say. And to me, that seems uh, a little bit high. Um, if he's still around that number um and he's the best pitcher on the staff then we've got real issues yeah we're you can't be get, yeah you can't be allowing one and a half base runners an inning uh you know no. expecting to uh to do real things but uh no and i think that's a you know that's just him losing his com- uh, he's got some really filthy stuff yeah absolutely filthy some of like we talked about just you mentioned a few minutes ago some of the uh, best spin rates in the game. Uh, and that's sans sick, sticky stuff. So, yeah, you know, no, no spider tech, no nothing. And he's, you know, he's still spinning it up there. So, uh, you know, if he can get the command together, that's that. I, I think that's that leap that uh, Xavier's talking about. And if that happens, he could be, uh, he could be a force to be reckoned with for sure. Yes, indeed. All right, so I will go ahead and uh, drop one of mine. My uh, one of my bold predictions is that Luis Robert will lead the team in doubles, triples, home runs, stolen bases. Okay, that's a that's a I would say that's a bold prediction as well. With the guys uh, on the team, I think so. Yeah, well, you've got Josh Harrison now who can run and can hit a, a triple here and there. You've got AJ Pollock, who has been known to hit uh, the the three baggers in his career. Uh, Timmy, who is since 2018 uh, got the best overall batting average in baseball combined over the last three years, and has also been known to hit a few triples himself. I, that's uh, you know, and, and you got a, a ton of guys that are capable of hitting extra base hits here. So you talk about triples home runs and doubles. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a pretty bold move and he's going to lead all of those categories. I, you know, what, all right. I, think, I mean, hey. I think, uh, I think that, I mean, if you watched his last, uh, if you watched his last month of the season last year, you could see that the, uh, the difference in his approach and the slight tweak in his front foot, for his uh for his stance it made all the difference in the world and um yeah that's where i'm at i just i think that um he just looks different you know yeah and that's how you know people say that about uh say that about people and they say that guy's just different that guy is just different i mean you he can is. just you can just tell the guy is just he's he's waiting to finally just uh make that step and just become like an absolute monster and uh i'm looking forward to it this year and i think that he's i think he's going to uh i think he's going to be the leader in all those in all those categories i think okay. eloy will be close on the home runs but i think that he's going to run away with all the rest of the stuff all right well, it, I, you know what? I, I'm not mad about that prediction at all. Uh, 
and I, I, I'm with you. I think it's it's extremely possible that uh, all those things. I mean, he is a freak. He is the Under Armour mannequin. And, uh, you know, now that he's got uh, some more time under his belt. And he, I mean, he looks really healthy. The guy glides through the outfield. If, if anybody here, anybody listening uh, on the podcast after we're done here with the uh, live stream tonight, anybody who's been watching any type of uh, preseason baseball this year, spring training games, I mean, the guy, you know, he looks like he hasn't missed a beat at all since coming back from that injury last year. He looked great in the second half last year, and he looks just as good uh, this year in spring training. So, I mean, he is. He's a freak of nature. And, uh, you know, I guess that uh, that would bring me to one of my bold predictions. It's a good segue. Uh, This is the one that I discussed with you earlier. And, uh, you know, maybe this, you know, when I hit this, this might be my almost outrageous. But I actually do have one that might be slightly more outrageous, but we'll get to that in a little bit. I'll save that one for last. Yeah. Uh, But uh, my next bold prediction is going to be that the White Sox have four MVP candidates on their team. None of them named Jose. What do you think? Oh, now, I, I'll give I, you the I'll give you the four, but the, the the main thing is is none of them are in my prediction. None of them are named Jose. None of them are Abreu. None of them are Abreu. Okay. None All of right, them. So, none of none of them are MVP. So as much as I love as much as I love Pito, uh, I think that we have four other guys, and one of them is going to be a really outrageous pick. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to. We're gonna they're gonna be tweeting at me. They're gonna be hitting me up on the socials for the for the last one in the group. But I'm gonna go ahead and give you the four names. Uh, Luis is one because I agree with you. He's a freaking nature. He's a beast on the field, and as long as he's healthy, I think he can be in. You know, I think he can be the best player in baseball if he puts it all together. Yep. I think he could be the next Mike Trout. Uh, the second one is Aloy. As long as Aloy stays healthy and doesn't make a fool of himself in the outfield and he plays a serviceable left field, I think the bat can put him in the MVP conversation again. The third one, Giolito gets his stuff together because he is pitching for that big payday hmm. and uh, he doesn't have some of the gaps that he had last year and could be a potential Cy Young slash MVP candidate, although it's very difficult for a pitcher to win an yeah, MVP award. It is tough, yeah. So, and now here's the here's the really hey, bold. if he carries this pitching staff, that's that's gonna yeah, be saying it's, it's something. Possible. Yeah, it's possible. It doesn't happen often that a guy wins a Cy Young and and the MVP award, but I yeah. think if Luke, if anybody can do it, it's Luke. Uh the final one. I am predicting a jump, leaps and bounds, over what this guy has done the last couple of seasons. Uh, Mr. Yoan Moncada is going to have the breakout season that we've all been waiting for. That would be nice. Slick glove, one of one of the one of the better fielding third basemen in the game. And no matter what people say about some of the errors that he had last year, uh, he was still really, really, really solid out there he last was. year. And I think the bat finally comes around. That would be that would be uh, a welcome 
uh, development for sure. Um, yeah, because it's been. So am I? Uh, am I too bold on this? I no. Uh, well, I mean, how about this? If uh, if this team performs like uh, a lot of these social media um, hype train likes to uh, likes to push out there, then yeah, I, it's completely completely possible. Now, I mean, is it you know how likely is it? I mean, that's four guys from the same team getting MVP votes. That's going to be. You know, that's obviously that's a uh, pretty tall order. I'm not saying that it can't happen. I mean, it's just everything well, would have has to, be, to go right. It would have to be a team that went deep into the playoffs for that to even be a possibility because we all know how the voters are in this situation and deep into the playoffs. Chances are you're not getting those votes. Yeah, uh, I'm – yeah. <laughs> I – I just being being that confident about this team going anywhere past the first round. Um, well, like I, I said, my first prediction was they were going to go over two hundred million. So, yeah. So there's there's going to have to be another to, pitcher there. Yeah, no. I'm trying to have to be the optimist of where the pitching staff gets itself fixed. Yeah, so. that's fair. Um. All right. So we'll uh, move along to uh, the. Other uh, submission from uh, our White Sox daily staffer, uh, Logan. NCAA was close. Oh, yeah, was it? Uh, so who won? Because I didn't watch it. I've been uh, yeah. talking about baseball on TBH. I don't really care too much about NCAA basketball. but <laughs> Yeah, no, you know. my bracket was busted a long time ago, and that was that. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, it had to have been. That uh, what was it, St. Peter's or whatever? It yeah. Crushed everybody right out of the gate. It's awesome. Perfect. Yeah, um, well, right. I picked I picked a number two seed to go all the way and win the whole thing, and they were knocked out in the first round. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> all right, all right. So Logan Hard, bold prediction. Here we go. Now this is awesome because he gave it to me on Sunday, and then today, Romy Gonzalez was shipped out to AAA, and the White Sox decided to keep Danny Mendick on the everyday roster. Now, Mendick. I think yeah, I think the, the main reason for that is so that uh, Romy could continue to get everyday at-bats. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, that kind of screwed it up, but he says he told me to leave it and he says he likes it that it's even more bold now, and he thinks that that's uh, that that's, he did that's that much better. So uh, you have almost two, verbatim. <laughs> you have two left, correct? I do. All right. So why don't you give one, and then I'll give mine, and then you can give your last one, and then we're yeah. My last one's a little. My last one's kind of ludicrous, but that's I all. like it. <laughs> I'm sure now my last one is ludicrous. At, What's that? As ludicrous as, what? As, as ludicrous as my last one is, I'm going to have less less people adding me on this one. They're, oh yeah, or huh? outing me. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So this third one that I have is 
uh, maybe it's wishful thinking, and I'm I'm trying to uh, put my my predictions into the ether out there, and uh, hope you know something catches fire here. But uh, Gavin Sheets gets more at bats than Andrew Vaughn this year. It's awfully close to something that I was that that I that I had uh, oh written down, which was that uh, Gavin Sheets was going to end up finishing the season with better numbers than Andrew Vaughn. Okay, all right, and uh, the I, I think it is because I think that if uh, that if Gavin Sheets is earning the at bats, and he's you know putting up uh, big time slug numbers from that DH. And he's left-handed. What's a, you know like? How are you going to displace that left-handed bat? Just I mean, he's a he's a second rounder. He's not a first rounder, but he is a second rounder. And he, I mean, to be honest, like his his bat to ball skill set. Yeah, his contact looked, rate is pretty good. <laughs> he has uh, very excellent bat to ball skills. That Our was contact. like that. That was that was his thing. And then the power came, right? You know, so that's what Andrew Vaughn's supposed to be. But the difference is that Gavin Sheets has already proven and gone through each step and brought his skill set with him as he, you know, as he was rising through the minor system. And then when he finally got to Major League Baseball, he was a ripe banana. You know what I mean? Instead of trying to peel the green banana by bringing up Andrew Vaughn after one season in the minors and expecting him to uh, just be good right off the bat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that's without even saying you and I, because of what you just mentioned with Gavin sheets going through each step of the minor league system and Andrew Vaughn, not playing above uh, advanced a ball. You and I both agree that, you know, especially with the addition of uh, Mr. AJ Pollock on the team that, you know, maybe it's time to give Andrew some uh, some reps at Double A AA and Triple A to uh, you know not have him face the pressures of learning a new position and playing out of position, and uh, still trying to do the things that he needs to do to uh, get his bat together as well. And uh, I think he should probably spend some time down there now. Whether that's going to happen or not, it, you know, it, right now it looks pretty unlikely. We're seeing him start in right field. Uh, you know, still. <laughs> to this point in spring training, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, if that were to happen for whatever reason, you know, wishful thinking again, maybe we get, you know, he gets the opportunity to develop down lower levels. Now that makes my prediction less bold, but I, I I consider it a bold prediction because I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be up with the team. uh, If not the whole season, most of the season. So, all right then. What do you think? So, uh, works for me, you know. Uh, they lost by three. Yeah. Well, my dad will be upset that uh, North Carolina lost because he's a uh, North Carolina guy. Which actually, come to uh, think about it, I am going to be in North Carolina uh, next Monday. So uh, I am going to do my best to try and g- gather enough bandwidth to be able to uh 
get this thing off. Figure out a way to get this going. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Um, I guess it depends. I'm going to have to ask my mom what kind of bandwidth they have because I have not asked. So if it's if it's good enough, I should be able to uh, at least get uh, bare bones thing going. Um, but yeah, I am uh, Thursday, uh, Friday night going to uh, the Canapolis Cannonballers home opener. Uh, Yay, right on. Yeah, Saturday going to uh, see Oscar Colas and Winston-Salem for their second game. And then uh, I'll be in Charlotte on the following Tuesday for the uh, the Knights home opener. So... That sounds like a heck of a trip, man. Yeah, it should be awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I wanted to... I wanted to hit opening day. I wanted to see uh, Montgomery and uh, Cass' first game. I figured that that would be pretty awesome. Uh, missing Colossus' first game, so that kind of, you know, kind of a bummer, but, you know. So I'm guessing you won't be at the White Sox home open. I will not be, no. No, I am <laughs> going to be in uh, I'm going to be in North Carolina. So you said that you had one that was going to get you all sorts of tweets. And uh, and hate mail. I also have <laughs> one of those uh, one of those bold predictions, um, and it ties into one of the things that we have been talking about uh, quite a bit actually in this uh, in this here stream podcast, um, and that is the White Sox win total for the year. oh all right. See now I I almost through one of these out there. I know you and I are pretty much on the same way. So I'm well, dying for this. So so we're looking at uh the season starting in four days or three days. So uh you know in an hour or whatever. So right. um you might as well make it now because uh the season will have already started and all those extra wins that they have garnered will make your uh prediction null and void. Um so I'd say throw it, throw it in there now while you while you still can. Otherwise, it's uh, like uh, the price is right, and if you go over, you lose or something. I, I don't know. There's oh, so you want me to go ahead and throw my number out there? I'll I'll, I'll go first. I was gonna uh, say then, I'll let you do your thing, and then I'll yeah. you know and I'll kind of piggyback off of that. Perfect. All right. So my prediction is that the White Sox are going to win eighty-seven games. And win the central by one game. Okay. Over the Twins. All right. I just uh, the the pitching staff does not have my uh, does not have my full confidence, and uh, I am worried. But I I I love the team, obviously, and uh, the lineup is uh, is ridiculous. I just do not have the faith in the pitching staff for them to get them to the to uh, that 88, 89, 90 level. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that uh, you know, a couple games over five hundred. I think that that's I think that that's the max. I wouldn't be surprised if it was eighty five and they won by one. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I, my thought process was near the same, but again, I keep going back to this first prediction that I made where the, you know, the payroll was going to be, uh, up pretty high. And, uh, reason being is I believe they're going to go out and get that starter for the final push. Uh, and, uh, I was going to say 89 and 90, still less than last year. 
But because they went out and, it, you know, because I'm predicting they go out and get that, that guy that helps them go the way I, I'm, I'm saying 89-90 range. But the uh, only reason it's going to be 89-90 range after getting that guy is because they're going to they're gonna be uh, fighting tooth and nail for wins in the division in the first half. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, they're going to win the division by about three games. But it's going to be a three-team race. Uh, going probably into the last month of the season. Yeah, I'm looking I, at I'm looking at the, the the Twins, the Tigers, and the Sox, kind of duking it out for uh, for the division. Yep, and I, I do believe that there is a good possibility that uh, there is a second team from the Central in the playoffs this year with the expanded format. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. possible. If I'm not saying it's likely. Yeah. I'm just saying it's possible. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's probably more likely than, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. It's this, this year, the East is pretty stacked. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, like I, like I had mentioned before, I think that they really, they really botched this off season. And, uh, with this being their, you know, one of their contention window years, I feel that uh, they really did the team a disservice by not going out and doing what they should have done, which was bolstering the pitching staff, not letting the best pitcher walk, and then not signing right. another starting pitcher. I just to me right. it just didn't make any sense. And maybe so. that's why my maybe that's why my predictions are what they are. I'm trying to hold optimism for the uh, them trying to uh, you know fix their gaffes. And uh, you know, save some face. The, the the embarrassment of the last two postseasons. And I mean, let's be honest. There's <laughs> yeah, no exactly. other word. There's no other word for it. The the last two playoff series were an absolute embarrassment. And then you go out and have this off season. Right. That's exactly and my I, point. I think there's got to be you know, and you you can't tell me that they are not hearing any of this. And uh, they got to, you know, there, there's got to be somewhere where, where Rick Hahn's going. Let me save some face, I, and let me let me get this team to the to the promised land. Let me do something. He is the keeper of the budget, and he spent money on Graveman and Kelly <laughs> and Velasquez. He's the one who who made those signings, not not Jerry Reinsdorf. You know, you're right. You're absolutely He's right. He's the one who said. Before the lockout, he said, you know, like after the playoffs last year, we need starting pitching. Going into the offseason, he said, we're going to try and address uh, starting pitching. Did nothing. Lockout happens. After the lockout's over, what's the thing he says? Well, with the shortened spring training, we're going to need a lot of pitching. What does he do? Signs Vince Velasquez, Joe Kelly, and Josh Harrison. And he trades away Kimbrel, you know, which I mean, fine. But so we're really plus we're plus one pitcher with nerve damage in his shoulder, one. yes. And that guy's and Vince Velasquez, who's got an eight ERA for his career. <laughs> this is exactly my point. And I'm trying to be optimistic as well by saying mm. that the White Sox are gonna win it by a game. That's my that's my bit of optimism, is that I, I'm Hoping against hope that they didn't like screw this up too bad that they're not gonna that they're not gonna win the division because of it. 
yeah. mean, I could be overreacting, but I mean, I've seen how my uh, uh, White Sox fandom has gone in my life, and nothing ever seems to go perfectly except for 2005, that one time. So, yeah, and really, I mean, we got to be honest about the roster. Nobody, I, there was not a single expert out there that was picking them to do what they did. And, you know, we yep. caught lightning in a bottle. And when I say we, I mean the fans. I don't mean the White Sox. I mean the fans caught lightning in a bottle that season by able by being able to watch that team yep. go wire to wire in first place and then go 11-1 and in the playoffs in the postseason and win the World Series. Uh, I, that's, that's a difficult feat in any realm. And to do it with a team that, you know, preseason was not even picked up. I think they most most had them picked third in the division that year. And, you know, guys like Scotty Pods come out and then you, you know, you, you get career. Yeah. Yep. yeah. You know, and, and the pitching staff was just unbelievable. And they were horses. Those guys went deep into games, every game all year long. And then they went out and they pitched four complete games in the postseason. I mean, I, that's, that's that should be the bold prediction is that Vince Velasquez is going to go out and throw a complete game in the World Series. Yeah, um, you know what? I, I I like bold, but I'm I am not uh, padded well, room bold. <laughs> yeah, straight jacket you know, bold. Yeah, I I'm not missing any chromosomes. You know, yeah. just yeah, saying is what it is, man. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's a good place to call it for the week. Um, hopefully, we'll have one uh, next week at uh, nine uh, nine Central Time. Uh, back here, I'm hoping. Hey, uh, we'll if we see. don't, we don't. We'll, yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about the following week. Yeah, yeah, we'll have uh, one week of baseball at that point, so it'll be uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit of pent up. Uh, talk there so that would be nice but we'll see what happens um like yeah i can't wait to uh, i can't wait to talk about the uh, the dallas keiko (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay i'm sorry had to do it yeah i mean just i do you think did you just think about what you just said yeah oh yeah you know oh yeah yeah you just said that that's what you just said I did. Yeah. The Dallas Keiko home. Yeah, that, that's right. what just came out of your mouth. Yeah. Well, I had to save it for the end of the show because if Dude, I didn't, was... we about that for two hours. Brutal. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for coming and hanging in the chat and uh, and poking around out there and uh, giving us stuff to talk to or talk about. And uh, this will be available in podcast form tomorrow morning uh everywhere you get your podcasts from uh spotify apple uh all those apps and whatever that got that uh got the podcast on um you can find us at whitesoxdaily.substack.com uh for the moment uh for all of the uh articles uh there's all the archives of all the old stuff that's there as well and um like to thank uh, Xavier and Logan for their uh, bold predictions for the 2022 season. And you know what? Let's hope that uh, that both you and I are incorrect and that they win 95 games and that we're just being negative Nancys. I'm hoping so. You know what? 
Uh, we're not wrong about much around here. But uh, that would be one I would be happy. That is, happy yeah, exactly. That'd be one that I would gladly eat, you know, and, yeah, you know, eat I'll take egg on. On the face. It'd be great. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, it's been White Sox Daily Live. You can find us on Twitter at Daily White Sox. You'll be seeing uh, some AAA uh, stuff coming your way uh, in the next couple of days because the Charlotte Knights start up their AAA season tomorrow um, on the road. And, um, yeah, so you see some of that stuff on Twitter, so that'll be good. Uh, apparently, you'll be seeing Romy Gonzalez down there uh, and not Danny Mendick, so that's interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Thanks for coming in, taking a listen, watching, hanging out with us, uh, hanging out with us two negative idiots. And uh, (laughs) you guys have yourself a good week and we will talk to you guys next Monday or if, you know, worst comes to worst, uh, two Mondays from now, if uh, I can't get anything going down in North Carolina. And uh, thanks for coming and hanging out. You guys have a great night. Thank you. Bye.